direct from Cape Gun Works in Hyannis. You're listening to Rapid Fire Radio with your host, Toby Leary. I'm Toby Leary from Cape Gunworks. I'm passionate about all things Second Amendment. While I love to shoot... Going hot. There is so much more to guns than just pulling the trigger. A free and armed society is a responsible and self-reliant one. Join us to talk all things guns, freedom, and self-defense. It isn't just about being armed... It's about being responsibly armed. So load and make ready. This is Rapid Fire. What's up, everybody? Happy New Year. First show of 2024, and I already wrote the date wrong once today, so <laughs> I do that for at least a month into the new year. Welcome to Rapid Fire, your weekly show, all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. I'm Toby Leary, your host. Thank you for joining us each and every week, and hopefully you'll join us this entire year for your favorite weekly gun talk show. Um, for those of you who joined us on 2A Tuesday today, uh, seeing me twice in one day, I know uh, can be <laughs> a little much for some people. But anyway, here we are. So um, I'm glad to be here with you all. And I figured we'd have a little fun today with the first show of 2024. Uh, we'll do a little walk down memory lane. We'll start looking at some of the the pros and cons for gun world uh, in 2023, what to look forward to in 2024, what we're going to face as far as adversities concerned um, and where the battle is, for, uh, so to speak. Um, but first of all, I just want to say thank you for a wonderful year with everybody. Uh, last year, 2023 was, you know, a, an interesting year. The first Nine months of it were slow in the shop, uh, but unreasonably so, like weirdly so. And then all of a sudden, the last three months took off like a Concorde jet, and we've been uh, busy ever since. So you never know what the future is going to hold in the gun industry. It's ups and downs. It's peaks and valleys. It's, um, you know... You can go weeks of crazy activity and then months of desert, <laughs> you know, sweep the floors slow. So anyway, that that was an interesting year. And then we saw the anti-gunners go on full out, full court press um, in lots of states, trying to figure out a way around the Bruin mandate, the Bruin methodology, 
the NYSERPA v. Bruin case that came down in 2022, has really changed the legal landscape for uh, all future Second Amendment cases. And Grace Curley caught me off guard a little bit with the Grace Curley Show. And some of you might be going, why on earth were you on 2A Tuesday on Wednesday with Grace? I was listening all day yesterday and I didn't hear you. Uh, the reason is we were we took the kids up north for a little family getaway. That was their Christmas present this year. We didn't do gifts per se. They each got a little tchotchke or token, whatever. But um, we basically took them on a ski trip. And uh, I'm officially old, guys. That's There's no, no other way around it. My teenagers are waiting down at the lift line for me every run and saying, uh, what's up, old man? Like, are you uh, uh, having trouble there on the slopes? And I'm like, son of a gun. Uh, yeah, it's uh, Dennis. I just want to answer this question uh, real quick. Dennis, it is a call in show. Give me a minute in order to get the uh, the phone hooked up because I have my other phone hooked up at the moment. But uh, let me Oh shoot. I just activated the wrong thing. Flying on the I, I forgot to set this up ahead of time. So bear with me. But we're going to do it right now on the fly. And the, the phone number, by the way, is 508-444-2120. If you want to be on the um, if you want to be on the show, that's 508-444-2120. And let me just set up the settings to make sure that I hear the phone when it rings. Um, but yeah, we can definitely take calls. So 508-444-2120 is the number. Um but anyway, getting back to yesterday, I was definitely uh, old man uh, mode, and I'm sore today. But I mean, you're only old in your mind, right? That's the way I see it. It's uh, it's whatever. I'm not gonna go there. I, I, I'm not old. Let's put it that way. I'm older than my kids, <laughs> so they kind of made me look bad on the slopes yesterday that I'm not too happy about. Bruised my ego pretty bad. Um, but I remember the uh, the days when I used to show them what was up. But anyway, all right, we're getting a call already. Here we go. Hello, hello. Welcome to Rapid Fire. You are first on the air if I can figure out how to work the controls here. Bear with me one sec. Can you hear me now? Uh, I can almost hear you. Give me one sec. I screwed something up. I I can barely hear you, but hold on one sec. I think I uh I just need to adjust something. Give me give me one sec here. Uh yeah. Uh I see what happened. Um Hold on one sec. I just need to get the Bluetooth device connected and then we'll be in good shape. Uh, I thought I had it. Almost there. The technical stuff from the first uh, show of the year. All right, we got you now. Loud and clear. 
Loud and clear. Yeah. <laughs> First up okay. on Rapid Fire. Yeah, Toby, uh, Toby, great show. I've been to your business a number of times. I've met you a few times. I'm, I'm a friend and former co-worker of your business partner, Brendan Bricklin. Yeah. And uh, and you've met me. You know who I am. Politically, I don't think there's much difference between us. I might be further to the right, though. That, that's, that's a distinct <laughs> possibility. But who knows? I mean, <laughs> maybe on some things anyway. I'm, I'm actually a libertarian, but I, no, I think you represent your point of view really well. And I'm glad you're participating in this venue. I think it's great. Yeah, well, thank you for that, uh, Dennis. I, I appreciate, you know, the, the support. And at least I know there's someone out there listening and I'm not talking to myself because that gets a little weird. But um, yeah, it's, you know, one of the things we got to do this 2024 and we got to hit the ground running in january here is really hold our senators feet to the fire in massachusetts because we got this ticking time bomb h4139 uh which is about to be debated in the senate and uh they're going to come out with their own version of the bill so that's really what we're here to do it's self-preservation mode it's uh making sure our rights are are uh here for the next generation and the one after that. And, uh, if, if good people do nothing, then they get to run all over us, mm. you know, and that's, that's unfortunate. H4139. Could you elaborate on that a little bit? First I've heard about it. Maybe I've heard about it, but not by that number. Okay. So it, it started out life as HD 4420. You've probably seen a lot of signs around as, you know, stop HD 4420. And, Someone actually who's very politically savvy said that the gun industry really screwed up by making those signs because no one knows what the heck it's talking about. It should have been something like support the second or whatever. But regardless, we have a lot of signs in the state over, I think, 20,000 of them uh, went through, yeah. um, you know, uh, the last. I, I, I think that I think that. I think that might be a valid criticism. A better sign might have been something along the lines of support the Second Amendment, you know, et cetera, right. et cetera. Then, 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 then with, a, uh, with, with a web address that people could refer to to get the particulars. Yeah. So basically, this is an omnibus anti-gun bill oh, that is 121 pages long, which would ban every commonly owned in ordinary use a semi-automatic rifle with a detachable magazine. So um, going forward, obviously, if you own one, it'll be grandfathered in. But going forward, that's what they're no, trying of to course. do. Yeah. But it's it's a really bad bill. There's all kinds of other stuff, sensitive places where you can't carry the gun. That they expand on where you can and can't carry. You know, I, I've got to wonder about the cynicism, and I really mean, I want to emphasize the word cynicism a lot of, of a lot of people that back these things. I think a lot of people that back bills like this fully realize that the federal appellate courts in general, and the Supreme Court in particular, that, that a lot of it just, uh, it just will not survive judicial review, judicial muster. But they do it because, of course, it, it, it sends a signal to their base. To, uh, to their political base that, you know, we're doing something about these extreme right-wing gun nuts that want to take over the country and bring back slavery and et cetera, you know, you know uh, fill in the blank, et cetera, et cetera. All, all this utter errant nonsense that we hear all the time that's essentially just um, just uh, fire hose at us from the moment we wake up until the moment we go to bed. And sometimes yeah. I wonder in between, <laughs> I don't know, but... Um, it's it's just that um, 
they will get behind legislation such as this, knowing full well that it won't pass constitutional muster. So they do it knowing that it won't survive, but they do it because it panders to their base, it helps in fundraising, and frankly, it's a political eye in in the people they perceive as being their opponents. Yeah, I I I think that's what's mostly behind it. This is not going to, with with a 63 Supreme Court, and by the way, Brett Kavanaugh, is very good in the Second Amendment. Amy Coney Barrett is very good in the Second Amendment. Clarence Thomas, um, Clarence Thomas, Alito, etc. They're solid too. So we have nothing to worry about. But the fact that legislation like this even gets passed and a large number of people support it should be very distressing. There's a lot of educational work to do out there still. You're no, yeah, you hit the nail on the head there, Dennis. This, um... Obviously, this doesn't pass constitutional muster, like you said, but um, the problem is getting a case to be heard at the Supreme Court level. I mean, we we had Heller in 2015. We had Caetano. I forget I when, when that was. That was a, that was a nail-biter. Yeah. Heller was a nail-biter. I was really worried about that one. I'm glad it turned out the way it did, obviously. Yeah. You know what I would say, though, is there's certain things to every pro to a case that has passed that have left me like, oh, it just, it got us over the line. It was a massive landmark victory, but the, it falls short by the concurring opinions usually that write and leave the door open to future gun bans and future, like even the most recent, the Nyserpa v. Bruin one, uh, Kavanaugh wrote, and the way he worded it, a lot of people are like, see, you can regulate firearms through licensing and everything else. That isn't what he was saying in his concurring opinion. He was saying that right. the legal work hasn't been done yet, uh, but you might be able to license them the way that you're proposing. Yes, but, yes, but yeah, I, yeah, yeah. It's exactly. Like, exactly. It, it says too much when you don't need to say a thing. Yeah. Like, let the status quo be the status quo. Don't. Let's- don't give them ammo for their guns, you know. Toby, let's circle back to Heller for a minute. When Heller was being debated, um, the deciding vote was Kennedy at the time, Anthony Kennedy. And um, Scalia was obviously solidly on board on, 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 on the correct side. To get Kennedy's vote, and I think this is something that had to be done, and, he, and, and Scalia and the other conservatives were right to do it, in order to secure Anthony Kennedy's vote, which was essential, it was a five-to-four decision. They had to put in language saying that uh, that appropriate regulation of some kind is okay, without, of course, saying what form that regulation might take. So that is the price for getting Heller. I think that's an acceptable price. It's a price that had to be paid, and they're trying to work it out now. And it's, it's you know, it, it, there's a, the, the, the Supreme Court, whenever you have more than two people involved in any decision, by definition, you've got politics. And yeah. there's horse trading at the Supreme Court. Don't don't fool yourself. It does happen. No kidding. No doubt about it. I I I would agree to that a hundred percent. Hopefully, uh, the you know, like Attorney Mark Smith likes to say, is you can't win the war in one single battle. You have to take no, small right. victories as you go, and that's that's the way. Incrementalism and and nothing in peace too. Mm, yes. Absolutely. If, if we're in peace, too. Okay, but but no, but incrementalism. That's, I actually agree with what jo, with John Roberts' approach. He's been criticized by a lot of people on the right. He, he wants an incremental approach, brick by brick, an approach that will stand up much better over the long haul, as opposed to a leap that's too far 
too fast, yeah. too weak. The classic example of, I think the classic example of judicial overreach has got to be Roe v. Wade. Now, for the record, I'm pro-choice more or less, but anti-Roe. Roe was wrongly decided, and, and the court has corrected that. But even Ruth Bader Ginsburg admitted that Roe went too far, too fast. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was a weak decision, and it fell. So I you think, don't want to go too far, too fast. Well, I think uh, that approach is probably why the Massachusetts case, Warman v. Healy, that was presented to the Supreme Court fell short yeah. because they knew that yeah. they, okay. they were one short, yeah. you know, and didn't want a bad precedent. So they just didn't accept, accept exactly. it. Exactly. You know? So, yeah. Exactly. Um, one, uh, a few more points I'd like to make that I'll get off. To even take a case, four justices have to, uh, have to agree to take the case. Now, right. with that six to three split, that really empowers conservatives and disempowers progressives slash liberals because conservatives can select the cases. If you can select the cases the court takes, that is enormously important. It, it can't be emphasized enough how important that is. So um, the progressive side of the court is definitely playing defense. They know that. They're trying to plant seeds, delaying action, trying to get the appeal off the occasional vote here and there. And I think Elena Kagan is the most dangerous in that regard. She's highly intelligent, persuasive, and charming. That makes her dangerous. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say Soda. <laughs> I would say Soda Mayor might check that box too. Um, she's. Uh, I think. I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've got Soda Mayor, Kagan, and Jackson, uh, the one that Biden appointed. So, but. Um, in really good shape, and, and, and that six to three margin gives us um, a cushion in case something should happen right. with respect to the court's membership. And, and you know what? I think I've been on the air too long. You've been very patient. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great to hear from you, uh, Dennis, and I appreciate the call. And uh, don't be a stranger. Hopefully, you'll call in again someday. I'll stop in. You know, I stop in about monthly. We do our monthly office in Hyannis, where your partner, business partner, used to uh, be employed. So I try to drop in whenever I can and say hi. Nice. I continue to do that. Uh, keep up the good work, and uh, Cape Gunworks is the best. It is the best gun shop in the state. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. That's kind words. <laughs> All right, brother. It's the only one I've, it's the only one I've seen, but it's still the best gun shop in the state. <laughs> yeah, that's, I appreciate it. All right. Take care, man. God bless. So uh, there you have it, 508-444-2120. Dennis is a very, uh, I've met him a couple times and I always appreciate his input. He's a very well-learned learned guy. He doesn't talk about something. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Uh, he's he's very, uh, you know, he, he does his due diligence. He does his homework. So um, anyway, that's, We'll go to a quick break here, and then uh, if you want to join us, by all means, you can. Then we're going to get right into the nitty-gritty about some wins and losses in 2023 and what we need to do in 2024. So don't go away. You're listening to Rapid Fire. I'm Toby Leary. Vortex offers the very best optics specifically made for shooters with rugged construction designed for extreme environments. Vortex Optics build quality ensures accurate, reliable, and repeatable performance every time you squeeze the trigger. Add fully multi-coated lenses and nitrogen purging, and you have a quality optic with an extremely reasonable price tag. That is the Vortex difference. 
Come into Cape Gunworks to see the full line of Vortex Optics today. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show, all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense, sponsored by Vortex Optics and the USCCA. So make sure you tune in each and every week to stay up to date with breaking news and gun talk around the country, as well as Massachusetts. And please like, subscribe, comment, share, and spread the word far and wide to friends, neighbors, enemies, family, and associates about Cape Gunworks and Rapid Fire Radio, and we would be forever in your debt. Um, so, uh, as I promised, and we'll get to your comments in the comment section later, I, uh, I promise you that as well, um, but I started a little spreadsheet here about some 2023 highlights, years, year in review. It's certainly not comprehensive. Um, so, what do you guys want first, the wins or the losses? I'll wait. Uh, I'm going to start off with some of the losses. Maybe we'll toggle back and forth so as not to get thoroughly depressed or thoroughly uh, enthused. Because there are some deeply depressing decisions that came out and laws that came out. But I'm going to start off with some of the losses. All right, we'll go, we'll go with the losses. Yeah. All right. Today, well, this is now a couple days old, but today, new anti-gun laws that went into effect here at January 1st, 2024. Californians will be barred from carrying guns in most public places. Yes, that is correct. Uh, and there was some little bit of gerrymandering going on. Well, know, that's probably not the right term for that there was some uh gunslinging going on hey i like that better uh, <laughs> so there was a judge um who his name was judge cormac carney of the u.s district court for the central district of california who on december 20th said that Individuals must be able to effectuate their right to self-defense by, if they so choose, responsibly bearing arms, Kearney wrote in his ruling, which is temporary pending the outcome of litigation against the state. So he basically uh, placed a stay on this new law that was supposed to come forward. And Rob Bonta, the attorney general, sought emergency uh declaration to the Ninth Circuit over the weekend and was granted on Saturday an en banc review of this, and they put a stay on Judge Cormac Carney's case. So the law was able to take effect on the first of the year. So uh, that was just one of the things. There was another uh, measure that was enacted, including the raising the minimum age to purchase a firearm for 18 to 21 and a new 11% excise tax on the sale of guns in the state and a prohibition of carry within a thousand feet of several properties, such as schools, places of worship, public gatherings, parking lots, and everything else. So that is... Uh, crazy uh, to think about. So 
Uh, that's just one of the big things that happened. Let's go to the phones. Uh, hell, let me go to the right phone here. Hello, you're next on Rapid Fire. Hello. Hello, how are you? I'm doing great, thank you. How about yourself? Is there a gentleman in your house? Excuse me? Is there a gentleman in your house? Uh, I don't know what that means. Do you have a question for rapid fire? My son? Sorry, I think you got the wrong number. All right. Let's put this out again. 508-444-2120. Uh, <laughs> I've been waiting for that to happen. I'll have to get a new call screener. Fire that guy. Um, anyway, let's get back to the wins and losses. I didn't want to stop for that anyway. Uh, another law that is taking root as of the first of the year here is Washington State is expanding its 10-day waiting period to purchase all of all guns, to purchases of all guns. It used to just be handguns. Now it's all guns, 10-day uh, waiting period in Washington State. Um, that is something that I believe will go away uh, when challenged in the courts. But, you know, the, the whole thought of waiting periods in general goes all the way back to the 94 assault weapons ban. And even before that, the Brady Law um, it wasn't really the 94 assault weapons ban. I, what I was thinking of is actually the Brady law, excuse me. So Brady was this three day handgun waiting period or seven day. I can't remember exactly how many. And so I've never been subject to it in the state of Massachusetts because our laws are stricter than the Brady law. So we've never had a waiting period, but I know in Rhode Island, like they don't have a license to carry in order to buy a gun. You can just have whatever gun you want. And, um, you know, it'll, it'll be a wait in order to get it. So long story short, uh, states like other states have put license restrictions and waiting periods, even though they're not federally mandated. Um, and Washington is one of them. So they have now expanded that and that will go into effect so that's another one in the loss column for gun rights illinois their uh semi-automatic rifle and high capacity magazine ban sets to go into effect that's another one that had the back and forth where a district court ruled or put a stay on this decision and said or this legislation and said it's unconstitutional and then the Circuit Court of Appeals overruled the district court and allowed it to take place. There was also an emergency appeal to the Supreme Court where Justice Amy Coney Barrett is in charge of the Illinois district. Uh, so she could have said, yeah, let's look at this. And but she chose not to. She said, no, we're not going to look at it. We're going to just let that stay exist until it has its final outcome and worms its way up through the court system. This is the case that attorney Mark Smith from Four Boxes Diner said will probably get to the Supreme Court before any other assault weapons ban cases in the country. 
including California's Southern District of California, the Roger T. Benitez case that he ruled was unconstitutional, went up to the Ninth Circuit. They decided uh, to skip the three-judge panel process and look at it on banc as a comeback case. And that is still pending. So he thinks the Illinois case will get to the Supreme Court before any other assault weapons ban case, especially like the one in Massachusetts, which just had its horrible day in court a couple weeks ago. Uh, we talked about this a little bit today on the Grace Curley show, where Judge, and we talked about it last week on Rapid Fire, where Judge Saylor has ruled that the um, AR-15 is not protected under the Second Amendment because it does not have any reasonable necessary, uh, necessity for self-defense. It's not reasonably necessary for self-defense. So uh, he wrote that in his order, and uh, he said that assault weapons prohibited by Massachusetts ban are not suitable for ordinary defense purposes and pose substantial dangers far beyond those inherent in the design of ordinary firearms. So apparently the AR-15 is not an ordinary firearm and does things that no other gun does, whatever that means. All right, I'm going to skip over to the win column. A couple of wins that we had. A big one, I think, was Circuit Judge Robert S. Rashido strikes down ballot measure 114 in Oregon. This was important because uh, the ballot measure was taking the tiers of scrutiny or the interest balancing approach of gun control to a level that has never been seen before. So in other words, what normally happens in gun control schemes is you have people elect their officials, right? You elect people to the legislature, the state Senate or the state House of Representatives or the federal House of Representatives and federal Senate. But in this case, it was a state law. So instead of relying on the legislature to do the nasty work of infringing upon your rights. Some gun control groups managed to get the requisite signatures and got this put it on, put on a ballot as House uh, as ballot measure 114. And the people voted to restrict their own rights. Now, I think as a lot of ballot initiatives have is huge special interest money behind them and a constant bombardment of press, you know, and uh, whether it be TV, whether it be social media, whether it be radio, and they love to capitalize on uh, like the phrases of the day, gun safety, and all gun owners are in favor of gun safety. And, you know, this bill would make us safer. And everybody's for safety. We want to make our city safer. So vote yes on 
ballot measure 114. And of course, they stand on the bodies of the dead and say, if only this had been done sooner, these people might not be dead, or these people might still be alive, or this tragedy could have been prevented, or they point to these analog uh, situations or these, um, you know, onesie twosie cases, and then they try to make this argument which stretches the intellect and it makes a giant leap of logic and where they have now gone into the the ethereal uh, fantasy world of what ifs and this would have come out different if only we had acted sooner nothing could be further from the truth uh in fact i think history points to just the opposite and i'm sorry i'm ranting i should just be talking about the law but history points out that when guns are most restrictive guess what crime goes up guess what violence goes up when people are allowed to protect themselves with arms and gun control is not a thing and people are allowed to buy whatever gun they want and unrestricted then and they do then guess what violent crime goes down it's it's history it's it's statistics and uh you know you can you can paint it any other way you want and you can try to manipulate the data but that's the i think john lots on his fourth or fifth book so uh yeah or update and it's consistent every time it's tried so this i think was a really cool ruling that i believe should put an end to any of the interest balancing approaches to gun control even if the people want it like i'll just go out on a limb and say even if 90% of the people wanted it, you can't change a right. A right is a right. It's, it is absolute. And, you know, I don't know why that's so hard to understand. If people all of a sudden said, I don't want the right to vote. And they make a ballot initiative that says, you know what? We just want you to make all the decisions for us. So that's ultimately what they do when they choose not to vote. But if they all put it together a ballot initiative and said they're going to suspend the right to vote, there wouldn't be a court in the land that would uphold that. They'd say, uh, no, I don't care how many people you rallied to the polls to infringe on people's rights. That's not going to stand the test of time. You can't do that. It has nothing to do with mob rule. And that's one reason I hate that term that's thrown around in politics every time you see a debate or a news or a town hall or something is it's a threat to our democracy. It's like, we don't have a democracy. We have a representative Republic, a constitutional Republic where the constitution is the founding document, right? It is the acknowledgement of the inherent unalienable rights endowed by our creator and therefore they can't be taken away they can't be leaned they can't be infringed they can't be removed 
you didn't grant them, so you can't restrict them. You can't revoke them. There's only certain cases where the government has any authority to, to limit your rights, and they are consistent with the giver of those rights' own policy on them. And that's what's so cool about the uh, Declaration of Independence is it says the laws of nature and of nature's God. It, it acknowledges that nature is subject to laws and there was a giver of those laws. So because of the, the divine nature of that, you can't take them away because you don't, you don't have the authority to. We talk about that a lot on this show. Don and Stoughton always talks about uh, the authority or the legal authority or the constitutional limitations. And I agree with them on that. That is exactly what happens. And so they, what do they do? Because they're in a position of power, they abuse their power, even though the constitution doesn't give them the legal authority to do what they're doing. And so they're never held accountable and they continually get voted in time after time after time. And that's where the problem is and lies. But what is some of the things in the laws of nature and of nature's God that allows limitations on your rights? Well, some of them are things like if you take someone else's life, you have forfeited your own, right? And, and you're subject to the penalties of being incarcerated. So your right to freedom is gone because you surrendered it as soon as you uh, illegally and unlawfully took someone else's life in the, in the form of a murder. Or in the case of theft, right? You have to make restitution. You have to pay them back and you have to pay the court. You have to make things whole with the system. So uh, that that is all the the infringements that are allowable, but you use the author of the right as the guide in order to guide people through that process. So if you have uh, you know, a propensity to violence and you're a violent person and you use your propensity of violence to offend other people, then yes, you surrender your right. And that's consistent with the author of those rights. So nowhere in our history and tradition have we been, or in any of the founding documents, does it say that man can now all of a sudden take your rights away for whatever will and whim of the people or for their, you know, majority in whatever house they're serving in or uh, because they sit on a bench or because they uh, enforce a law that's already written. That That is unconstitutional and lacks the moral and constitutional authority to do so. So we've put up with it for so long and it's wonderful to see uh, certain things like this Illinois ballot measure 114 finally, or Oregon, excuse me, ballot measure 114 struck down. All right, sorry, a little long-winded there uh, when it came to that one, but that that set me off a little bit and I think it's a huge win. So um, don't go away, it'll be a short break. We'll be right back, you're listening to Rapid Fire. Federal delivers a knockout punch with the leading defensive ammo on the market. 
Federal Punch Hollow Points are accurate and reliable in all defensive situations. When you need reliability designed to provide a balanced mix of effective penetration and expansion, you need Punch Defensive Ammunition from Federal, the leader in nickel-plated brass ammo with a sealed primer to deliver reliable feeding and ignition. Get Federal Punch Defensive Hollow Point Ammunition here at Cape Gunworks. All right. Welcome back. As promised, a short break. I'm Toby Leary. You're listening to Rapid Fire, your weekly show, all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, self-defense, and 2A rants. Sorry, I do get long-winded every once in a while. Um, So that's one I was excited about in the win column. Um, What is your favorite win of 2023? Throw it in the comments section. I'll get to it. Um, There was also a big win in the Fifth Circuit that ruled ATF pistol brace rule is likely illegal. So we are not suffering the slings and arrows right now of the ATF's rule change when it comes to the pistol braces. Um, As we could be. We were for a minute and then we weren't. So it was pretty funny. There was... A lot of talk about this at the time. And looking back, I remember uh, there were debates on the House floor. There was, uh, you know, Thomas Massey and Matt Gates and uh, Chip Roy. And a lot of the pro 2A candidates were really grilling the ATF and Stephen Dettelback and whatnot about the, the stabilizing brace and how it has the potential to affect uh 40 million people, if you think about it, uh, 40 million people, uh, because people have bought these braced pistols or built their own braced pistol and literally had to do nothing and could wake up and be a felon overnight. So that one was a great FPC win. Uh, The Fifth Circuit rules that the ATF pistol brace rule is likely illegal. All right. Another 2A loss. Let's go back over to the L column. Uh, And Colorado is banning ghost guns. Yes, you heard it. Colorado is banning ghost guns, which they've kind of already done in Denver. So they made it illegal to build your own unserialized firearm in Denver. Now it appears that they've extrapolated that throughout the whole state. So apparently that goes into effect this January 1st, a couple of days ago. And now you can't own or build or possess an unserialized frame and receiver and build it into a gun. That seems to be the direction Massachusetts is quickly heading in. We will talk about that, about um, about the uh, Massachusetts H4139. And that's going to be, um, you know, one of the big things that the Senate talks about is ghost guns. It sounds so scary, right? Ghost guns. It's a... Uh, it's one of those things that, um, you know, is extra deadly 
Should ban blasters. We should definitely blant, uh, ban blasters because those are extremely deadly, just like the ghost guns. Um, but the point is, ghost guns are nothing other than unserialized firearms. And don't let anyone fool you. The quote-unquote unserialized fi firearms predate our country. There was a time when serial numbers were put on guns for one purpose and one purpose only. That was for manufacturers to be able to reference them. And I'm glad that they did, frankly. It's not that I'm against serial numbers. They did it in a way that for their own record-keeping purposes. And because they did that, we can now send off to Colt, for instance, and get a letter of authenticity about this particular gun, who ordered it, when it was ordered, where it was shipped, the date it was shipped, what caliber it was, what the grips it had on it, what the finish of the gun was, what the original sights were, the entire build package of that gun was recorded. It wasn't mandated by government in any way, shape, or form. And they did it just for manufacturing purposes, quality control, for their own history, for their own uh, record keeping. And that's what a serial number was for. Now we've taken serialization into the to the next level. You know, the 1968 um, Gun Control Act is when serialization became the law of the land. There was guns in the 50s and 60s that were serialized, but there's no decade, there's no uh, records of them. There was also uh, guns that were non-serialized in the 50s and 60s. Uh, a lot of the 22 rifles, the common shotguns, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and they mass produced them, made thousands and millions of these guns, and they didn't have a serial number and nobody cared. Uh, it, it all of a sudden became this big deal to the federal government that people could end up potentially manufacturing their own gun and government wouldn't know about it. What? And I say, if you're not a federally prohibited person, who cares? Government shouldn't know about every gun I own. Uh, but the fact of the matter is they, they have to know now. You know, they want to know. So the, one of the last uh, frontiers of unserialized firearm ownership was make your own. That was really it. You couldn't get it from a manufacturer anymore. So you had to make your own. And there was tons of kits. There were people who've done this since the dawn of time. I mean, most firearms were unserialized for hundreds of years until, again, 1968. But you could make it in the privacy of your own home without any government over uh, watch or, you know, interaction whatsoever. And now they're just, they can't handle that. That's just too much to be, that's too much freedom for one particular state to uh, list, to live with. Um, so that brings us to the big one for me is Massachusetts H4139 and 56 various other bills that are to be voted on. 
I'm sure a lot of those 56 bills will probably go away. But I think that they'll still do the, you know, they'll, this 121-page omnibus H4139 is going to set up and be debated in earnest here in the Senate. So therefore, that means we got to roll up our sleeves. We have to get serious. We have to contact our senators. We have to troll them on social media. We have to write them letters and emails and call their office weekly, daily, monthly. I mean, it's it's really coming down to, uh, I've, I waited till the first of the year to really sound the trumpet. But if we can all collectively get our voices together here in Massachusetts, it's really, really important that we, uh, what was that? Breaking news. Yeah. Uh, we really get that together and uh, speak as one voice. Um, this affects everybody. It doesn't just affect the guys who are into the tactical guns. It doesn't just affect the guys who are into handguns and carry guns and self-defense guns. This affects your sportsmen. It affects your competition shooters. It affects your collectors. It affects every single person in the state of Massachusetts who has a Second Amendment interest. So, um, yeah, there you have that. Um, so we got to get serious. I'm going to be really sounding the alarm and keeping my foot on the gas pedal about that. Um, so yeah, you don't want to fall asleep at the wheel on that one. Um, let's jump over to FPC's, uh, firearms policy coalition. Um, and check out some of the wins that they had. Now, the wins in this column have an asterisk assigned to it because they are pending either a stay or an injunction by a pay or a, a stay or an injunction by another court. So they had a win, and then the status quo was maintained. Um, the frame and receiver rule is one of those things. So the FPC uh, responds to the Supreme Court stay of judgment vacating ATF's frame or receiver rule. So this was a, uh, a big one uh, that they had a win on. Uh, let's see the um, uh, that kind of got taken away. So this goes back to August. Firearms Policy Coalition responds to the Supreme Court order in Vanderstock v. Garland, which will allow ATF's frame and receiver rule to go into effect while the government appeals the district court's judgment that vacated it. The case will now continue at the Fifth Circuit, where oral arguments are scheduled for September 7th. Um, I forget if there's a update on that as to what happened after September 7th, but let me see if, uh, if there was another update. Cause I thought there was, uh, I, I believe that's the one that was allowed to stay in 
it's funny things go back and forth so many times i forget um so i know the pistol brace rule uh yeah okay so it was a win november 9th was the update uh, it says that fpc announced that the fifth circuit court of appeals has ruled in their favor holding that portions of the atf framer receiver rule are unlawful in vanderstock v garland the rule will remain in effect pending the disposition of the appeal in the united states court of appeals for the fifth circuit and disposition of a petition for a writ of certiorari if such a writ is timely sought so uh the agency rule at issue here flouts clear statutory text and exceeds the legislatively imposed limits on agency authority in the name of public policy, wrote Judge Kurt Engelhart for the court. Because Congress has neither authorized nor uh, the expansion of firearm regulation nor permitted the criminalization of previously lawful conduct, the proposed rule constitutes unlawful agency action in direct contravention of the legislature's will. I wish that was like taken into consideration more that last to uh, that last sentence congress has neither authorized the expansion of firearm regulation nor permitted the criminalization of previously lawful conduct i think those two points are huge so this is one that isn't complete a lot of the wins are little like wins along the way if you will there's a host of wins that we had in California. Um, again, I mentioned the one challenging the public carry ban, which this past Saturday was stayed. Then there was the uh, the assault weapons ban in California that was struck down by uh, Justice Benitez. Hold on one sec, guys. Sorry. That one was a beautiful opinion on October 19th. Uh, Roger T. Benitez, the Southern District of California, has issued an opinion in Miller v. Bonta, once again holding that California's ban on so-called assault weapons is unconstitutional under the Second Amendment. The American tradition is rich and deep in protecting a citizen's enduring right to keep and bear common arms like rifles, shotguns, and pistols, wrote Judge Benitez in his opinion. However, among the American tradition of firearms ownership, there is nothing like California's prohibition on rifles, shotguns, and handguns based on their looks or attributes. Here, the assault weapon prohibition has no historical pedigree and is extreme. Today's opinion is yet another thorough demonstration of the unconstitutional nature of these types of bans on constitutionally protected arms, said Cody J. Wisniewski, FPC Action Foundation's general counsel. We're elated that the court has recognized that the California's bans fly directly in the face of peaceful individuals' constitutionally protected right to keep and bear arms. We look forward to continuing to demonstrate that point in courtrooms in California and across the country. FPC is joined in the litigation by California 
Gun Rights Foundation, San Diego County Gun Owners PAC, and the Second Amendment Foundation. So that was a huge win. And again, this is one that the that the uh, Ninth Circuit is probably going to overturn because that's what the Ninth Circuit does. He also had a huge win um, on the uh, the what do you call it? The approved weapons roster in California. And I think that was a huge, huge, uh, one as well. Um, so the, the, they're likely to overturn that. So there's a bunch of wins that are a win nonetheless. Let's not, let's call a spade a spade, but it's been put on hold or it's sure to be appealed. And, uh, so that's that, but, uh, we'll be right back after this. You're listening to Rapid Fire. I'm Toby Leary. Don't go away. And pay attention to this word from our sponsor. Carrying a firearm for personal protection has never been more popular than it is today. The USCCA can help fortify your home, sharpen your awareness, and develop your defensive plan. Go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up. Your family safety and security is your responsibility. Go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up for a USCCA membership and get special training, legal advice, and legal protection you and your family need. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. And I'm going to go right to the questions on the chat right now because um, reading these long articles and getting me down these tangents is causing me to uh, cough and my mouth to dry out. So uh, I apologize. Um, So getting back to the Massachusetts one, I think uh, is what Snake is referring to here, that the judge is an idiot and doesn't know squat about firearms. Yeah, no doubt. Um. Let's see. Still haven't been to the store. Come on, man. What took you so long? You'll make it. You promise. All right. I'm going to hold you to it. Um, Could I speak on the NRA and what they actually do to preserve our rights? Um, Matthew, I wish I could. Honestly, Um, I'm not a huge fan of the NRA right now. I do realize they are the biggest and largest gun rights group in the country that has lost its way a little bit. And, um, I believe it's important that they survive and they get strong again. Um, but they need some overhaul, if you ask me, at the highest levels in the in the group. I think the best thing that could happen at the NRA would be if Wayne LaPierre would step down and get someone fresh and new in there and a little bit of a regime change, uh, new direction, some fresh blood some fresh, uh, get back to the roots of preservation of the second amendment period. Um, and I think that would be huge. At one point they were over 6 million members. I think they're down to a little over 3 million members. And a lot of them are lifetime members like myself. So, um, I've been donating a lot of money to the, well, my money, I should say, and it's not a lot, but it's what I can do where I can do it goes to FPC, uh, NAGR, 2AF, 
Gun Owners Action League and uh, two, Guns of America, GOA. Um, so those are the groups that are really on the front line, plus every state organization. We should be donating and giving our money to every state organization that, you know, if you live in a state that has a state organization, send them some money. We just read about that win uh, by Firearms Policy Coalition, and you notice there were three state agency state groups along with the uh, FPC and 2AF. So it's really important that they are well-funded. Uh, Patrick's wondering about the BRN 180 that we recently featured. Is that a detachable mag? Yes, it is. And how much is it? It depends which one you buy. If you get the KRA one that is made here in Massachusetts, um, I think that one is $17.99. And if you get the ones we build, uh, they're just made with a couple different parts on the lowers and et cetera, et cetera. And like a CMC trigger and, and a, I would say an upgraded grip and uh, et cetera, and, and muzzle brake. And that is in the uh, $2,100 range. Um, so really it's, it's just a little bit different features, the same rifle, but uh, upgraded parts in, in the ones we put together. So um, I don't know if I'll be at the Sturbridge show yet. Uh, we're going to uh, see. I mean, the gun show thing is is awesome and fun. It is magnanimous for us to go there. It's I, I love being at those shows. But if, you know, we've been shorthanded lately, if things slow down a little bit, I'll be at the rest of them. I want to see a massive uh, change and breath of fresh air to the gun show world so if i can be there we will if we had gun safety my guns being safe from leftists that is oh i wish we had yeah no doubt about it raf um if they had 90 percent of people in favor of their theories then they could easily change the constitution it only needs 66 percent or 75 percent of the people yes you're right about that uh g, g webs he's talking about when I said the ballot initiative, that if 90% of the people, I still disagree with the fact that man can change your right. Uh, if you look at the founding documents, the, the ones that are, were endowed by our creator that the declaration mentions like life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Life is not possible without the ability to preserve it. So if you can't defend it and preserve it, then is it a right? And they acknowledge that it is. And if it is, then how do you defend it in modern times? You, you know, you can't just speak softly and carry a big stick when your enemy has uh, somebody who's coming to assault you has a gun or a knife or a stick or a you know blowtorch i don't know it's the point i'm trying to make is you can only preserve it or pursue it if you can defend it that's why i think the most basic human right is the right to keep and bear arms the right to defend yourself against somebody who wishes to impose their evil will upon you and there's very few people that will say 
you don't have a right to defend yourself. There's people out there that like that thought and think in theoretical terms that that is the case. And people like Justin Trudeau, who actually verbalized it and said, you don't have a right to defend yourself with a firearm. It's like, are you out of your mind? Like if your enemy has a firearm, you're supposed to sit there and throw sticks at him and throw, you know, pots and pans at him until he shoots you. Come on. It, it's, it goes against the laws of nature and against nature's God period. Um, just read mass residents are not allowed to carry slingshots. How screwed up is math? Yeah, that I think has been a law in the books for a long time. I remember the wrist rocket, especially when I was a kid, I used to have to like conceal my wrist rocket while I ran out across the street into the woods because they were illegal. Um, as ridiculous as that is. Failed policies causes situations that result in violence. Politicians point a gun at gun owners because they know we are an easy target that has not always successfully uh, resisted their attacks. Yeah, no doubt about it. <clears throat> I would say that Unfortunately, some of the most people immersed in gun culture 2.0, you know, they're a modern gun owner. They're enthusiastically involved in the shooting sports. They're frequent flyers at gun shops and gun clubs and shooting ranges. Unfortunately, stay home when it comes time to vote. Um, unfortunately. That's that's a terrible indictment upon us. But and getting back to the which group to support. Uh, look at Gun Owners Action League, who's doing the most in Massachusetts right now for preservation of gun rights. We have about 20,000 members out of the 600,000 gun owners. And, you know, I would be like. All right, I can see that if if we could get to a hundred thousand and like one fifth or one sixth of all the gun owners were members, then you'd be like, we're doing pretty good. I would love to see half. I think that makes a whole lot more sense. Half of all the gun owners should be a member of their state organization. And that's the problem is they're not. And so we are easy targets, as you said. Once we get better at defending ourselves from them, they will find other things to hate besides guns, in my opinion. I hope so. Um, I really hope so. <laughs> Thank you, Patrick. That's very kind of you. Um, and if 90% of mass gun owners belong to goal, our gun lobby would be 540,000 strong. Thanks for doing that math for me. Uh, I agree. I've been waiting on my LTC from the state since 1116. That's when my local PD finished with the prints, et cetera. Does anyone know what the current wait time is on the initial LTCs? Thank you. Um, <clears throat> Eric, you got to be vigilant about this. Uh, hopefully you got a copy of everything you submitted, had them date stamp it, because the state is obligated to respond within 40 days. On day 41, you have been technically given a denial 
Now, if you call them and say, oh, you denied me, they'll say, no, we didn't. It's just in the process and all the paperwork is, you know, but technically, because they must respond within 40 days and they never do, then you have been technically given a denial. So you have 90 days after given a denial to appeal. So all I'm saying is you need to make sure that from day 41 to day 130, you have your ducks in a row and can appeal if you don't hear from them out to 130 days, because then you'd have to start the whole application process again and whatever, you wouldn't be able to appeal it. So that's something to think about. Uh, and anyone who's listening and hasn't turned in their paperwork yet, make sure when you submit your paperwork, you have it date stamped and you have them, you know, uh, you really have to have them, uh, what do you call it? Uh, checked on, you know what I mean? You And I'll give you the phone number too. I'll type it right in here. It's a uh, 617-660-4722. And that's the number uh, for you to go ahead and call and see what the status is. So, all right. Give my voice a break real quick. Uh, we will be right back after this. Don't go away. Carrying a firearm for personal protection has never been more popular than it is today. The USCCA can help fortify your home, sharpen your awareness, and develop your defensive plan. Go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up. Your family safety and security is your responsibility. Go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up for a USCCA membership and get special training, legal advice, and legal protection you and your family need. All right. Welcome back to Rapid Fire. And I am going to play, I'm going to take a extreme chance right now and uh, play the uh, this week's Gun of the Week video. So I know it's a highlight of everybody's week. Um, it's a highlight of mine. It's probably all that matters. No, I'm just kidding. I enjoy doing them. So, all right, I'm going to get this video going right now. I'm going to try to do it the share screen way. It's already on YouTube. So if you haven't seen it, you can. So here we go. Hey, everyone. Toby from Rapid Fire. And this week's Gun of the Week. This is the Remington Model 700 short action. Now, this gun has wandered the woods of North America. It's worked in police service for urban sniper rifles. It's also served in our U.S. military. The Remington 700 action is a classic, and it's really, really good. It's smooth action. It's battle-tested. It's proven. It's a great foundation to build a long-range precision rifle, a good deer gun, or just an everyday plinker. So the thing I love about this one is the short barrel. It's the 16-inch barrel, and it's 308. We have them in 308, 65 Creedmoor, and 223 Remington, which is a great round to practice with, and it's very precise as well. But most people end up buying these guns and kind of making them into the gun that they want. So it comes with the Hogue Overmold stock, which is a great stock for everyday 
use and shooting at the range, et cetera, et cetera. But it would also be good if you wanted to, it wouldn't be cost prohibitive to change it out to a chassis of your choice. So for that reason, I love this gun. I like this configuration because again, most people are gonna take it out, put it in some super chassis uh, for their long range precision rifle. But if you want a gun that is most likely gonna shoot sub minute of angle right out of the box, the Remington 700 heavy barrel, it also has a threaded muzzle on it. So if you wanna put a muzzle brake on there, or if you live in a state where you can own silencers, uh, but it is just a, a classic. The Remington model 700 has been around for a while. It will be around for a while. And it is a phenomenal, excellent, rugged gun to build that sub minute of angle, long range precision rifle from. So thanks for tuning in guys. I'm Toby Leary. Make sure you check out the show, rapidfireradio.us, get signed up. And if you want this gun, scroll down until you see gun of the week, click on it and pick G-O-W at checkout. Thanks so much. All right, welcome back to Rapid Fire. I'm your host, Toby Leary. And I love the Remington 700. Who doesn't, right? So uh, make sure you go check that out. I got to say, it's probably not on the web yet because I haven't told our web guru about the Remington 700. And I had to film two of those shows today, so I got it kind of late. So if you're over on the website browsing it, uh, don't cry yet. It's going to be up soon. Um, so I apologize. Um let me just see here. I'll tell them to get it on the web. Uh, Remington. We're doing a lot of stuff in real time. All right. Noted. Hopefully he'll pop that up pretty soon. So, all right. <clears throat> Getting back to uh, your questions, comments, and in the chat. Um GWebs points out that serial numbers don't solve crimes or prevent crime. They only make more paperwork to comply with, be fined for messing up or attempt to justify a lot of payroll hours, federal hours. Yeah. And I loved what uh, Matt Gates said to the Dettelback is you require of people something you yourself cannot do. And that is keep good records. Like you shut down FFLs for missing one jot and one tittle on a form. And yet you guys are keeping track of 250 million forms that you shouldn't be. And you're losing guns that you should be keeping track of. Uh, it was it was a masterful um, in, grilling of Stephen Dettelback. Um, so anyway... Uh, Let's see, uh, the BR-80, I already talked about that. Uh, how is it legal? Detachable is not illegal in Massachusetts, Patrick. So the whole reason the fixed mag AR came out was to get around the ban on ARs. So because there's some good companies out there like Bear Flag Defense and Mean Arms, that came up with these solutions. In other words, they read into the law and saw that a gun that doesn't have a detachable mag can't be considered an assault weapon. 
even if it's a perfect copy of Eugene Stoner's design, because the mag is fixed in the gun, it can't be considered an assault weapon. So just fix the mag in the gun, make sure it doesn't come out, and load it through the ejection port, and voila, you have now defeated the moronic unconstitutional ban of the most popular gun in the country. So that's really where the fix mag comes from. Any gun that is not enumerated in the federal assault weapons ban of 94 is legal to sell in Massachusetts. The five or six guns that are enumerated that are, you know, and any copy or duplicate of them. So we got the Colt AR-15, we got the AK-47, we got the Tech 9 the Uzi, the FNFAL, the FNFSC. Uh, what am I forgetting? Um, the Galil. I think that's it. So if it's one of those guns, can't sell it. Any copy or duplicate of it. Unless it is designed originally from the factory to have a fixed magazine. Or you buy a fixed mag lower and build it yourself. So that's um, that's a big one, right? Uh, so that's why I know there's a lot of confusion. People come in all the time and go, you got Tavors, you got uh, Robinson Armament XCRLs, which by the way are back in stock. Don't sleep on that one because they don't last at all and they take forever to get. So uh, I was just talking about that gun. Let me have a little sidebar here from the comments. That gun is one that I was talking about the other day, how I wish it was more available or more readily available. They sent me an email saying in 2024, they will now bring barrel production in-house to speed things up. They've bought new equipment and they're going to cut lead times down from you know three to six months down to three to six weeks. So that's huge news from Robinson Armament XCR. The XCR rifles are awesome. And I said, I am surprised those guns work so well. I think I've only sent one back to the factory for repair. And it was our range gun. But very few, I don't think I've ever had a customer gun come back. They're robust. They're rugged. They work. They run well. They take AR mags. They're highly adaptable. They have M-Lock handguard. They have a monolithic design, which is great for mounting optics and et cetera. They are modular. You can change caliber on them. And they're a radical difference from the AR, the AK, or every, you know any other platform. So I was thinking like, hey, maybe they're going to end up being like the M&M M10X rifle, which has been kind of a horrific gun for us because we've replaced and serviced so many of those guns. I can't even tell you. I've probably sold a couple hundred of those and I'd say half have come back needing some sort of work or send back to the factory or parts or whatever. And that's a pretty radical redesign of a, of a gun. That's like kind of a standalone design. And you would almost think that's how the Robinson would be, but nope, it's a rugged, robust gun that just runs. And so anyway, um, we have all the guns that aren't enumerated for sale with detachable mags. 
That's why I, we put out a list of good alternatives to the AR platform that take AR mags because a lot of people want pre-banned mags. And so there you have it. Yes, Robert, there will be an approved weapons roster for 2024. That's another one of those laws that they're supposed to comply with four times a year. And they're trying to cut it down to three times a year or twice a year, I think, in H4139. They're saying four times a year is too many. Let's do less work. And um, yeah, they're going to do it less, even though they don't do it the four times they're required to now. So anyway, um, let's see. We are going to be doing a church security class very soon. That's a great question, Aaron, um, because I have a group of guys. I think there's seven or eight guys that want to do it. And I told them we will open it up to the public. So stay tuned for that. We'll, we'll post that one um, coming up. That'll, that'll be a thing. All right. Let's see. 12, 16 and still waiting. Yeah, you're going to wait a while, VT. Um, so can we own ARs with detachable mags if they're pre-banned? 100% yes. Also, what do I need to know about building an AR? What can I not do? I would say just do a fixed mag AR and then do whatever you want. Then you can have the bayonet lug, the flash hider, the collapsible stock, the foldy thingies, the, you know, all the grenade launchers. You can have the <laughs> whatever you want on the gun uh, if it has a fixed mag. And we have a class coming up this month, actually. I believe it's in um, January the 20th, if I'm not mistaken. So check out the website um, for that, the AR build class. It's going to fill up. It always does. And uh, you can build your whole gun, leave with a gun, registered, and have one that you built. Now you know a lot about it. Bo, our gunsmith, will be teaching that class. And by the way, Bo, if you haven't met Bo, we'll have to get him on the show at some point. Our gunsmith was employee of the year from, uh, from Cape Gunworks. What was that? News. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, breaking news, uh, Bo, the gunsmith, employee of the year. Woo! Good for you, Bo. Uh, hopefully he's listening and uh, that's huge. He's a He deserves it. If you have had a chance to interact with Bo, you'll know why he got employee of the year. And plus, he's an incredibly talented guy. So we're pretty excited about that. Um, American Patriot took seven months. That's crazy. Um, and one guy said it took a year for his to be processed. It's crazy. That's insane. Um, my buddy came in the other day and he pulls out of his wallet, his Florida non-resident license. He said, I applied, paid, and got in the mail from Florida in less than 30 days. Applied, paid, and in the mail to his door in less than 30 days. He goes, it was actually probably less than three weeks, but he 
wasn't keeping that close a track. And he's like, so this just proves Massachusetts is doing it on purpose to be, you know what, 100%. That's exactly what it is. It's a backdoor gun ban. My wife sent hers in at the beginning of December. I better get her to check in. Thanks. No problem, Steve. I'm sure uh, I'm sure they're all over it right over the holidays. Uh, in fact, you know what was crazy is they the state shut down that that number I shared in the chat the to check on your status of your LTC. Uh, and it was also the pin retrieval hotline. Um, so the Friday before Christmas and the Friday before uh, New Year's, both extremely busy days here at Cape Gunworks. Guess where everybody went at the state by two o'clock on that Friday? Yep, you guessed it. They were out the door, gone, and um, <laughs> they were not there to retrieve your PIN number or, or tell you what the status was of your LTC. Um, I'll be moving to a more gun-friendly state soon. Probably Arizona or Maine. Boy, those are two extremes. Freezing cold and blazing heat. Uh, VT, I hate to see you go. I understand the sentiment. Uh, American Patriot is moving too, it looks like. Uh, and I say, guys, stay and fight. Don't leave us all here holding the bag. We need more. Uh, just in since 98, we went from 1.2 million gun owners to 600,000. That hurts. That's a lot of people. But I did just read an article that New York, I think, has the most people fleeing their state. And I think Massachusetts is in the top three or top five. Um, so anyway, yeah. Yep. Uh, I'm back. Had a visit. All right. Thanks for coming back on. Mike, uh, New Hampshire is good too. I just like my <laughs> marijuana and New Hampshire is behind on that. Well, Massachusetts isn't too far behind on marijuana. It's, uh, they're pretty, uh, open door policy to it here. They decriminalized it, it was recreational, all kinds of stuff. Uh, but the feds are still saying you can't do that. If you like your gun rights, that'll all change at some point. Uh, Vermont, but New Hampshire is surrounded by states that have legalized it. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, I would say out of the three to our North, New Hampshire is probably the gun friendliest state. Maine, maybe, I don't know. Vermont has totally lost their way. Uh, Maine just keeps putting legislation forward. They were going to ban the, uh, personal private transfer, go to universal background checks, and they didn't, thankfully. They are still a um, constitutional carry state, which is huge. That's awesome. The one law that really has teeth to it is if you are carrying a gun and you're pulled over, you must disclose to the fire, uh, to the police officer before anything that you are carrying a gun, which I think kind of goes against the constitutional, but whatever, uh, I could live with that law. 
Um, the other thing that I don't like about Maine, because I'm from Massachusetts, they're one of the last two states, Massachusetts being one and Maine being the other one that does not allow hunting on Sundays. So for that reason, I'd probably go to New Hampshire, the live free or die state and the no income tax, no sales tax state, which I think is huge. And a lot of people are like, yeah, but they're property tax. You know what? I get that their property tax is expensive, but there's no income tax and no sales tax. I promise you, you pay way more on those two taxes alone if you make money than you would on the, unless you own an, a, a mansion in Portsmouth. Um, than you would on your property tax. So I'd rather the one big property tax bill than, than the uh, income tax and the sales tax. Anyway, let's see, uh, update us on 4420. Just, you need to have, uh, go to Gun Owners Action League's website, find out who your state senator is and hammer them. Uh, that's that's what 44, 420 or now H4139. As it sits, it's been passed. It's sitting at the Senate. They're going to take it up. And Cynthia Cream has been tasked with putting this legisla uh, legislation together. Not good. That's like, you know, getting Jack Kevorkian to write the suicide laws. He's it's it's not good. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be very bad. Um, let's see. Vermont, New Hampshire on the top five list for pro-gun states in this country, and that's saying some. I don't know how Vermont is anymore. Um, they now have magazine restrictions. Um, maybe they're not enforced, that's why, but uh, I don't know. Yes, AK-47 is, in fact, on the enumerated weapons roster uh, ban, so can't do anything about that. However. Uh, I have transferred a couple of fixed mag AKs. I just don't know how the heck you load them. That'd be a little risky. I don't know if you can do it with stripper clips. Um, no, you can't. So I don't know how the heck you load them. I guess you got to take the dust cover off and top load them that way. So it's a little weird. But, um, oh, uh, you know what is cool? There is there is a magazine that has a port in the side of it. So that's how. There, there was a fixed mag AK I transferred that had a little slot at the bottom of the mag and you kind of pulled it down and drop all the rounds in and then push it back up. So, you know, it's not quick, but anyway. Are the CAA MCK conversion kits legal in mass? Uh, I've been told by legal counsel, no. However, they can't articulate to me how it would be restricted when it's not a firearm. It goes on to a firearm, does not permanently modify a firearm. So I don't know why or how or if it does make it illegal. But I'm just telling you what the lawyers that do this for a living and get paid to represent you should you run afoul of the law have said. They might just be operating under an abundance of caution, but I don't know. Um, New Hampshire's good hunting too. 
Um, weary of grocery stores in the coming years need to prep. Yeah. Um, I think that there's some good soil in all three of those states, so you could prep. Uh, yeah, the M&M &M rifles, I had my hopes up for those G-Webs. The M10X, I thought was going to be the saving grace of the AK-47-ish platform. But, and I've met with them, I've spoke to them, I've looked them in the eye, been promised that it was an anomaly, they were going to be better, they're going to get good, and they're going to do things, you know, they got a new vendor for the making the steel and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like all in on this gun, big time, because it takes pre-ban AK mags, it's kind of AK-ish. It kind of is a good hybrid rifle from an AKAR. Had, you know, that monolithic handguard. I, there was so many good things going for it that I, lo I loved it. I just couldn't get one to work. And I tell you, my gunsmith, one of them almost quit over it. Uh, so anyway, yes, Cape Gunworks is a store. Um, and... I would appreciate you taking your business to us. That would be great. Uh, Cape Gunworks is the store, in my opinion. No, I'm just kidding. It's a lot of good gun stores in Mass. Uh, we are down in Hyannis um, on Airport Road. You can go to capegunworks.com, check it out online, and come on in. We got a great staff that can really help you buy that first firearm. So I appreciate that. Thanks for tuning in, VT. New Hampshire is full of freedom-loving people. It would also be a great state to homestead in because of its demographics and low violent crime. That's exactly where you want to be. All right. Um, I'm not advocating anyone move out of this state, though. <laughs> I say stay and fight. If all the patriots, when the British marched to Lexington and Concord, just said, Guys, tomorrow we ride to Vermont, New Hampshire, and Maine, what would have happened? they would have delayed the inevitable. And that is Massachusetts would have fallen and then the battle would have went to Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont. Guess where the battle is right now? You guessed it. It's in Massachusetts. So we need a line in the sand. We need a stay and fight moment. We need to say, no, rights are rights. You lack the constitutional authority. You have abused your power that the people entrusted you with. You have violated your oath of office by vowing to stand up for the Constitution against all enemies, both foreign and domestic. And you have now broken the trust of the people who put you there in the first place, whom you say you serve. You have taken every oath and, you know, torn it to shreds. Your word is worth nothing. And hold their feet to the fire. And make sure you do whatever it takes to make sure they're not elected again. That's the problem. They get to get, keep their job and keep abusing us at the same time. Yeah, you're going to have to take that class, sign up and take it. It should be on the website. If it's not, let me know. I'll kick some butt and get it up there. Uh, but that's the way it goes.
Uh, last time it took three months in Arizona, but I will say there's one big difference in Arizona and Massachusetts. There's probably more than one, but when it, we're talking about license to carry or a permit to carry, your license isn't what you need in order to buy a gun. Massachusetts, we can't participate in the Second Amendment at all until we possess said license. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> G-Webs is advocating for Arizona. Here we are. We have a sidebar discussion on what state to move from. And I'm sitting here, the idiot on the hill, saying, stay and fight, stay and fight. Um, let's see. Uh, Maine knee-jerked anti-gun in 2023 after the killing. Yes, they did. I don't know if anything will pass, but you're right. They did. Um, that was one of the big things that happened in 2023. No hunting on Sundays. Get real. That's right. Mass and Maine, the last two holdouts for the blue laws. But they used to be that way with liquor stores. And guess what? They've opened liquor stores. But the hunting and even people who are like, I would say, right-leaning, gun-owning people, I've gone on and advocated for the ending of the hunting ban on the Grace Curley show. And man, did I get met with hate. People like, you better not. I'll never listen to you again if you advocate for hunting on Sundays. I'm like, what? Yeah, we get one day of the week to walk around in the woods without the fear of being shot. I'm like, uh, no, you get three quarters of the year. We get two to three months of being in the woods. You get eight to seven to eight months of nobody being in the woods. And by the way, go walk in the woods. Wear some orange. No one's going to shoot you. I think that's pretty obvious. But anyway, Bernie. Yeah, what about Bernie? Ernie's been getting uh, side deals and payoffs. The guy who advocates for, uh, you know, commie-style socialism in America got a raw deal in 2016 when it, the, the fix was in. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. I don't think the version that's written right now will be law, but get what you want while you can get it. Let's put it that way. Because I don't know what version of compliance I'm going to participate in yet. <laughs> um, I've heard this argument, but I don't buy it. I'm not going to repeat it on the air. Um, when I use VT in the comments, it's because I was talking to the guy who goes to buy VT. Not ah, I see. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> I see what you mean now. What's the most reliable firearm you ever owned? Um, <laughs> the most reliable firearm I've ever owned. That's a tough one. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I've had malfunctions. I'd say as a rifle, 
the bare arms ad core defense piston driven ar-15 ran that thing never cleaned it never lubed it actually i shouldn't say that i did lube it but not regularly uh, but i never cleaned it until it finally failed after about 5,000 rounds and the mag catch broke um the mag catch broke in half fixed that decided to clean it and it ran for another 2,500 rounds without another cleaning then i sold it to a friend which after i tell you this story you're not going to consider me a friend you might not consider me a friend but <laughs> i sold it to a friend who cleaned it a little deeper than i did and he took apart the piston assembly and he said it looked like uh it was used and abused and the amount of creosote and carbon buildup in that thing he said was just uh, epic level epic proportions so um <laughs> that was uh pretty funny but the thing still lives today as far as a handgun is concerned I don't know that I've shot any one of my handguns enough to really award it most reliable status, but I've run my SIG 365 pretty hard. I've run plenty of Glocks pretty hard, the Glock 19. I've run through some serious classes two-day handgun class probably thousand rounds in two days without a cleaning and one of them my buddy rob pincus was so offended that i showed up to a class with my dp custom slide which had lightning cuts in the side of it that he packed mud into the slide ports and wanted to show me why slide ports are bad idea on a self-defense carry gun and so after packing said mud into the gun he began to fire it and got a face full of mud it was it was awesome and the gun didn't jam <laughs> that was the best part he got a face full of mud and the gun didn't jam so um that i would say that gun might be what i would consider have the most rounds through it without with the fewest amount of uh failures and that Glock 19, um, I have a custom trigger in it and a DP custom slide. I will say, hold on, I, before I get to this comment, I got to tell you a little story about my, my Glock 19. And I thought, I thought I had the barrel in here, but I have a Surefire threaded barrel. Um, that I got for that Glock 19. And I put it in there, loaded up at the time I was carrying the Liberty Civil Defense rounds. And I loaded it up with those, stuck it in the holster, working in the shop, you know, three, four weeks go by. Meanwhile, there's a thing in my head that is nagging on my conscience. And every, especially every time I regurgitate this line to the person I'm dealing with on the counter is make sure you get a couple hundred rounds of self-defense ammo, run it through your gun. Your gun should be able to run a hundred rounds of self-defense carry ammo without a problem with no malfunctions before you will entrust your life to that gun and 
ammo combination. I've said that religiously for seven, eight, nine years. So I was carrying that Liberty Civil Defense ammo, which I had run a couple hundred rounds through. Then I get my new Surefire barrel, my threaded Surefire barrel, pop that in the gun, pop the mag in, load it up, stick it in the holster, carry it for three weeks. My birthday shows up and everybody wants to take me. We didn't have the range at the time. So it wants to take me to uh, American Firearm School in, um, where the heck are they? North Attleboro. And so we saddle up the truck and it was funny because we brought about four trucks and we have all the staff at Cape Gunworks who are all gun cranks. We have a bunch of NFA weapons and we pull in and unload and their jaws are hitting the ground. We had every modern piece of firepower, including suppressors, machine guns, short-barreled rifles, and everything. And the RSO was like, I'm so glad I came to work today. This is awesome. We're like, come shoot it. No, 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 no. I don't come shoot. It. Okay. And so the RSO is shooting our guns. But we had probably 20 different rifles, 20 or 30 different handguns. So I'm finally at a range and I, I go, all right moment of truth time i gotta shoot the gun you know my conscience is just eating me alive so i draw the gun drive out on target click tap rack click no tap rack click what the heck i tap and rack 10 15 times every single round pops out full with a tiny little dimple in the primer not one round fired from that gun that I was carrying for 13 for three weeks. And I load another magazine, try it again, same thing. I put ball ammo in, fires fine. Put some other hollow point ammo that I had, I think Sig V Crown or something, fired flawlessly. Would not fire that Liberty Civil Defense. I had the old barrel, put the old barrel back in the gun fired the Liberty Civil Defense ammo flawlessly like it had before hundreds of times. I'm like, you got to be kidding. I got a gun, barrel, and ammo configuration. That is the perfect storm. I've been carrying around a paperweight for three weeks on my body every day and was blown away. And I tell that story a lot in the store, like whenever people are like, I'll just buy one box. I'm, I don't need to shoot it. I'm like, yeah, you do. Yes, you do. Shoot your carry ammo. Run a couple hundred rounds through. It's an investment in yourself, in your mind, knowing that that gun is going to fire if it ever is needed to be called upon to defend yourself. Don't mess around. I'm serious when I say that. Don't mess around. Spend the extra money. Make sure it runs. And if you got a gun and you some new death-dealing hollow point comes out that you want to try, okay, try it. But Make sure it runs 100 rounds without malfunction if you're going to trust your life to it. So anyway, all right, getting back to the questions. Thank you very much, Mike, and I appreciate that. Steve, I've been to a lot of gun stores in mass. Toby's is by far the best. Thank you very much, buddy. I appreciate that. Um, uh, <laughs> I know you were offering info about Arizona. I'm agree. Uh, I, I'm just being... Uh, I'm trying to keep people here, man. Uh, we have the ability to help each other. You're right. That is true. 
Um, we should definitely be able to hunt on Sundays in mass for the few weeks we get. I agree. The HKP7, I have never tortured tested, so I don't know. Um, yeah. Uh, yes, I'll do that. I promise. Hold my feet to the fire on that. I will be doing some discount codes. In fact, I will get with my web guru on that. Make make it a thing every Wednesday. So um, let's see. <laughs> I'd be worried about someone jamming a stick in the lightning cuts and the gun flipping over like the spokes of a wheel of a bicycle. There you go. Good, good one there, G-Webs. Um, what's the deal with sawed-offs? Seems illegal as heck. Is there a barrel length they can't be under or something? Yes. 20, I'm sorry, 18 inches. So if you have a 28-inch barrel on your shotgun, you can saw it off 10 inches. Just make sure you're not an eighth of an inch under 18 inches, or you could have another Ruby Ridge situation. Most people don't know that Ruby Ridge happened, the Randy Weaver situation happened because he cut a barrel to like 17 and a half inches, half an inch under 18 inches. A lot of people don't realize Waco, Texas happened, the whole Branch Davidian compound raid and torching happened because they thought he had a machine gun that he wasn't paying the $200 NFA tax on. He had something called a Hellfire trigger. So both of those incidents were gun control related incidents. Um, even the American Revolution was a gun control related incident. Uh, so, yeah. I usually go through one 20 round box for the self defense ammo I carry. So far, I've never had any jam with any good self defense ammo. I couldn't imagine having a full mag. Yeah. That hap that's a true story. Uh, I am still using the Fort Scott uh, Fumble on Impact round. I like it. And, um, you know, the reason I like it is kind of a ridiculous reason. Um, but I like the fact that it's a solid copper bullet, that this goes back to when I carried a 1911. That gun was designed originally to shoot ball ammunition. It was never really designed to shoot hollow points. And my 1911 hated hollow points. Absolutely hated them. I tried black talons. I tried gold dots. I tried uh, hydroshocks. I tried everything. And that open cup design would hit the feed ramp. It would push the bullet into the case. And it was causing all these horizontal lines in my feed ramp. I had the thing throated. I had the thing polished. I kept it to a mirror finish. And it just didn't like to go in uh, to the chamber. Balling ammunition ran flawless. But I have that so ingrained in my brain that I love the idea of a, a closed bullet head performing better than a hollow point for the fact that it performed well in the gel, it performs well on animals, performs well in self-defense situations, and it performs well in the feed and function of the gun. So anyway, I carry the Underwood 90 grain, nine millimeter extreme defender plus P. They are the screwdriver shaped solid copper rounds. I, I, 
I like that bullet. Um, it's kind of along the line of the the bullet I carry, except without the screwdriver head getting stuck on feed ramps. That was my big hesitation with that. Um, they, uh, the, I like the theory behind it. Is very similar to the theory behind what really intrigued me about the Liberty Civil Defense, and that is the weight times velocity squared. So what does that mean? That's kinetic energy, right? Weight times velocity squared. I could break the internet right now with a whole discussion about calibers and heavy bullet, light bullet. But the more important part of the equation is the velocity. Kinetic energy gets more robust with speed. You hear the saying, speed kills. Think about Star Wars program, the real Star Wars, not the movie Star Wars. That was proposed back in the 80s. It was taking lasers and getting something as infinitesimal as like a speck of dust, but making it go 186,000 miles per hour, which was the speed of light. When it hit whatever it was, it was like utter destruction. So this tiny little weightless piece of dust traveling the speed of light could take out intercontinental ballistic missiles, take out nukes, could vaporize it, right? So the speed component is the more important part of the equation. And so I liked the idea of a lighter bullet traveling faster. There's a couple of reasons for this that I like it. One is reduced recoil, that whole equal and opposite thing that's very scientific as well. So for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. So heavy bullet going down range produces more recoil. Lighter bullet traveling fast, lower recoil, and more kinetic energy, more technical destructive power. And that's one of the things that the Fort Scott Munitions has done is because it's a solid copper bullet, they do make 115 grain, but the 90 grain bullet is faster and probably more destructive, more efficient. So anyway, um, not to get off on a tangent, but you brought it up. So <laughs> just saying. Uh, yeah, so KP carries the Wilson Combat 90 grain non plus P. I don't, I've never really heard of it. Those definitely run through the gun more like the FMJ. That's what I like about them. The Wounded Knee Massacre was a gun control incident, too. You're right. 200 people were killed on Wounded Knee. That anniversary, I think, was last week, if I'm not mistaken. And the worst part, oh, that is just such a horrible story. But men, women, and children gunned down over guns. Uh, oh, good. I'm glad you've tried them because that's important. Uh, they are as dependable as anything and the velocity is over 1,400 feet per second in a four-inch barrel. So there you have it. I think a regular nine millimeters around 1,100. So you get an extra 300 feet per second just by knocking it down to 90 grains from 115. Some people carry 147 or 124. So. Um, yeah, there's a few people that know their stuff. But again, I'm I like the concept of lighter. That's why I love the 30 super carry. Um, I know most people 
made fun of that round when it came out, but being from Massachusetts and it takes a gun like the Shield EZ from eight rounds to 10 rounds and has the same sort of kinetic energy and a smaller bullet that's traveling faster, it's a win. Better capacity, just as good knockdown power and performance downrange and less recoil. That's a big win. What's the difference between FMJ and TMJ? FMJ is full metal jacket, but it's not truly full. It just means the whole part you see of the bullet is metal. The back of it has an open lead core. So technically you could get some lead that atomizes in the air from the pushing of the bullet down the barrel, the explosion of the powder in the chamber. Total metal jacket has just what it says, a metal jacket all the way around, including the back of the bullet. So it's completely surrounded by copper. So you shouldn't get that lead exposure if you shoot that, but not too worried about it. My dad worked on an early vacuum PVD to make faster computers for the Star Wars. Oh, interesting. Um, that's good. Um, good deal. Uh, so you guys didn't put any of your favorite wins and losses in the chat. That's what today's whole show is about. And uh, <laughs> um, my favorite win of 2023 was probably the Benitez decision. Um, it was just masterfully written, the, the assault weapons ban and high capacity mag ban, uh, ruling that unconstitutional for the second time. Um, he is probably the best friend of the second amendment in the all of district court world. And he is a political scholar. I wish I wish he would be appointed to the Supreme Court. That'd be amazing. But I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, and I know lower courts, we need lower courts that faithfully execute their, their, uh, their duties like he does. So, um, Everyone's DR is happy when SCOTUS wakes up again to all that is going on there. Believe me, they know what's going on. Uh, they know exactly what's going on. Um, they're not asleep at the wheel. All right. I somehow missed this comment, Matthew. And this is a very important comment because it's, and I think Four Boxes Diner just did a video about this. Um, but there are people who have sued mass for the illegal gun laws. Most of the time they have been dismissed because they didn't that because of that whole interest balancing approach saying like, Oh, legislature voted it in the people want it. It can stand now that the Bruin mandate has reaffirmed Heller as good law, then we will hopefully see that all go away. But the NRA and their millions of dollars have come to the aid of the Massachusetts residents in the Warman v. Healy case that I mentioned before, 
The problem with that is it made it all the way Supreme Court and they did not grant it cert because um, the I have a sneaky suspicion and we talked about this on on rapid fire. My sneaky suspicion is they didn't have the votes because Alito was the unknown that they didn't want to risk a bad outcome of a Second Amendment case. So they waited until Amy Coney Barrett got confirmed and then voila, they went forward with the NYSERPA v. Bruin. So that's it. All right. Um, I'm glad we had the Bruin decision. Yeah, that, I mean, it's huge. Uh, St. Benitez, but we got the effect of throwing holy water on a demon. And the blue states lashed out like they were possessed by the devil. I like that analogy. Uh, and yeah, they did. And the, it's all a temper tantrum. They are a ticking time bomb. They know it. So they're pulling out all the stops right now. They're like that decision that just came out um, in mass. It's not going to stand. It can't. They're also doing this whole sensitive places crap like they are doing in California. Uh, New York's doing it. New Jersey did it. They're all trying to expand the sensitive locations. They're just throwing spaghetti against the wall, hoping it sticks. That's, that's the way it is. All right, guys. Thank you so much for such a great time today. I appreciate it. That's the first show of 2024. Many more to follow. And uh, thanks for tuning in. Make sure you share this with your friends, neighbors, loved ones, enemies, and associates. And I'll see you next week. I am Toby Leary. This is Rapid Fire. Thanks so much. We'll